this is the, I don't know what the number of the episodes is. This is Spencer Bird's episode. The best episode. The best episode. So welcome to the PD in the Classroom podcast with Spencer Bird. I am going to not do an introduction and just let you say who you are, where you're from, what you do, and how you got into teaching. All right. So I'm Spencer Bird. I'm in the special education department. I do resource math. So I teach uh, applied math theory, social skills, applied skills. I originally grew up in South Weber. Graduated from Northridge in 2010. Was the, as I like to say, the best activity student body officer this school has ever seen. Um, and I probably took the most unconventional route to get here. So I started mid 2017 as a substitute because mm-hmm. I was just working at at that time I was working for the campus store and I just wanted some extra money and I was like oh I could just work on the mornings and then of course as you know a teacher was gone about every day for mm-hmm. Northridge so I spent nearly every day here and I automatically started making really good relationships with students just as a sub they some would find me almost every day yeah no matter where i was in the building um so i subbed through the next year it was actually 2016 that i started 2017 was my first full sub year um so kind of same thing then I did AmeriCorps here, and I did. I kind of took over for a teacher who was out for a semester. So I had two periods of financial lit and five of math for life. Um, and that the AmeriCorps year is really what set me up for wanting to be here. Mm-hmm. Taught me a lot of cool stuff um, that I still use. And then. Uh, I took one off year because, spoiler alert, AmeriCorps doesn't pay very much money. Um, So I spent the year at Nordstrom Rack, as I say, hating my life. And then I was in the break room and Diana Johansson called me Mm -hmm. and said, we have a 5.9 opening to do Knight's Pride. Do you want it? And I was like, "Uh, yes, I sure do. And that was five days before the school year started. Ooh. So came in the next day, talked to all the admin, got hired on. And a couple days later, it was faculty meeting day and just started from there. And then last year was my first year as an actual teacher in special education. And now here we are. Yeah. Somehow. So I just want to go back and fill a few holes. You were at the campus bookstore. Is that the University of Utah? Yeah. Okay. That's where I got all my clothes at a hefty discount (laughs) that I gave myself. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) genius, genius. Um, So you're at school. Did you know what you wanted to go to school for college? I got a bachelor's degree in communication studies. Mm Mm-hmm. So I loved communication. I was initially kind of looking at things like social media, all that stuff. I took some specific social media classes 
Um, but it's really, I liked the study of it, but none of those jobs like for social media or journalism, because I did a lot of, I did a lot of coursework in journalism. Mm -hmm. They just didn't feel right. And then when I started here, it's when I was like, oh, I actually like waking up and going there Yeah, for some bizarre reason. I think I think that happens to to some of us where we, we think we know what we're really into. And I think your experience is, is perfect in describing that, not really realizing this is just a part-time extra cash thing. And then... Yeah. Making connections and then realizing this is where I, this is where I belong. This is what I love to do. And, and I think that's the one thing that with you in particular, the people that have recommended or requested this episode is that you are a people person. Oh yeah. You deal with students who make a lot of other teachers crazy. Yes, I do. And so we just want to explore that and seeing how you got into this field is, is pretty cool. So you're in the new teacher licensing program where you're going through some yep. other courses to make sure that you have the, the foundations of yep, I've got good a, teaching. I've got an invigorating <laughs> math methods class I take every Wednesday on Zoom. Yeah. It's great. So what is it that you think you bring to these kids that, and not all teachers see them as problem students, right? Not every kid bugs every person the same way or has the same issues or has the same personality traits or whatever, but you really do seem to, I want to say collect, but connect with a particular group of kids. What are you doing to make that happen? Well, one of my, one of my things that I always try to do and try to look at is while they are students here, they're people too. So I try to get to know the person a little bit more because there there are so many people here that are by the book terrible students yeah but they're actually some of the best people that you'll ever meet yeah so once you kind of start once they realize that they see that oh he actually treats me like a human being not just some idiot who's failing the class then that part comes automatically yeah remind us of the classes that you're teaching i remember oh just briefly what they were applied math three social skills and applied skills okay so the students that are taking these classes applied skills social skills and applied math the students that are in these classes have some sort of cognitive or behavioral issues yeah and you are accepting that and looking past that to see who they are yeah as a person, including the quirks and issues and problems and strengths that they have. Yep. And that's kind of how I started because it really, even though AmeriCorps, you know, paid terribly, that was probably where I learned the most. There's a book that we read throughout the years. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was the framework for understanding poverty. Mm Mm-hmm. And it kind of hits all the boxes of what... So we should put that in the show notes? Yes. <laughs> um, so it kind of goes through how to best deal with the population, you know, that we have. Sure. Because, you know, we have 
especially a lot of our minority households, a lot of them, it's just mom. Right. There's no positive male role models. Um, they have always kind of just gotten lip service. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I actually take the time to get to know them and they see when I tell them I'm going to help them with something, they see me do it. Yeah. So they know, oh, he's actually following through. Right. Which they might not have seen very much of. Yeah. Or very consistently. Yeah. What do you think the hardest thing about that is? What do you think the hardest thing about breaking through to some of these kids is? Um, Because not all of them are like, okay, this guy's cool. Yeah, it, <laughs> some take some crafty work to crack the shell. One that I've been working on all year this year, I finally cracked his shell at the end of second term. And now he like never stops talking to me. Yeah. Shows up to my class regularly. I just find little moments to have a little casual chat. Yeah. And then it just kind of grows from there. Yeah. The first part of my teaching career was just general education students. I didn't have any honors kids. I just had a handful of kids that had IEPs or 504s. But that's the majority of your course load. That's most of yeah. the kids that you're working with. I know what it's like to be frustrated not knowing which kids are excelling, which kids are really college yeah. bound. The the years that I have just taught general education, there's there is a, a growing apathy of I don't know if I'm making a difference as a teacher. And you know you are, but you yeah. don't know that you are. How do you stay above that haze working with the student population that you do? Um, you just kind of keep those little wins. Like, oh, oh yeah, you do have a D plus yeah. in English. That's amazing. You know, because for them, some people, if they pull a C minus, that's like a major a, miraculous. Yeah. Like, so... You just got to kind of look at it that way because they're improving and they're doing yeah. really good f for them. Any any celebration suggestions that other teachers might overlook as, well, that's not really going to work with my students or anything that gets kids excited, even though it's yep. maybe silly? Well, one thing that I do that occasionally gets requested and I'll very occasionally agree to <laughs> Um, so you I've seen his face in that very occasionally, like with a grimace, <laughs> I've been told. So this is a quote from a student last year. Your Dr. Pepper hits different. Okay. So occasionally I'll make a deal if, you know, by the end of the term, if all your grades, like I currently have one, if he can get at least all C's, he'll get one of my Dr. Peppers. Yeah. And if it's a Dr. Pepper that comes from me, because as everybody knows, I guard my Dr. Pepper with right. my life. If I could hire an armed guard, <laughs> I would. So they see like, oh, Bird is, man, he's even willing to give me one of his Dr. Peppers. Yeah. I personally am afraid of incentivizing students with treats. I don't want to view students as animals who can be, you know, taught how to jump through hoops or whatever. Well, but if it's an as, incentive that is like that, that takes some time and some effort to get to, that might be something that's worth it. Yeah. And as my mother says, a bribable child is a controllable child. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Just a couple of years. You've just been teaching really for a couple of years now. Yeah. Is it what you expected it to be? Has it been more or less? You know, it's been really kind of insane because I've been able to see 
really the whole school. Because mm-hmm. starting as a sub, I was in classrooms I would never been in. Yeah. Like I was in engineering classes. I'm like, oh my gosh, what on earth are they doing? And then, so I have all those random classes. And when I was doing AmeriCorps, I was doing financial lit and math for life, which is, you know, general population. And, you know, my financial lit classes had first period, I will always remember was 38. My second period was 39. Wow. And then all my math for lifes and working with those kids who were already behind. Then when I started back up again, uh, that's when I also added in the ESL tutor. So I've kind of had experience with every type of student at the school. Yeah. And in a way, all of those things that I do will work for any kid. Yeah. So just referring back to that book about, um, reaching students of poverty, but understanding that is the the perfect example, whether students are in poverty or not, whether their family is struggling or not, whether they have a single parent or not. Yeah. The principles are fundamental to teaching. Yeah. Cause when, uh, on that AmeriCorps year, one of the kids on my list, his parents were, they had money coming out of everywhere. But because of that, guess whose parents were hardly ever around his. So great, massive house, but terrible grades because he had no support. Yeah. Which is the same as whether parents are there because they're working or parents are not there. Yeah. Whichever. Right. What do you think the biggest struggle is coming into teaching at this point in like just with COVID and everything? What do you think the biggest challenge is for you teaching? Really just coming out of COVID, just trying to get them comfortable at school again, because it was so, because that year that we were like hybrid, that was all just a straight mess. Yeah. There was no structure and it was, it didn't even feel like school. Yeah. Like even though they were here every other day and then every day, but then closing down, there was like no stability. So I think people just kind of forgot what school is supposed to be like. Yeah. Is there anything because you're sort of still in development, right? You're still in the learning phase. Is there anything that you think could be changed in the system to make it work better? I just think it all starts because, you know, we all know that we can really only start with our rooms. Mm -hmm. We all have hopes and dreams of what the geniuses down at the legislature will, (laughs) will say. But unless we can make our own rooms comfortable, that's where it starts and that's where it can actually make a difference because the state can, you know, say all this stuff, but if a kid's not coming, he's not coming. Yeah. So if we can work to make it so people want to come into our classrooms again and know that there's some kids with, you know, some rough stories, Yeah. even if it doesn't look like it. Nobody should feel like walking through the doorways like a Dementor in Harry Potter and their souls getting like sucked out of them. Yeah. It's like with my math class, I have a senior math class. Everybody in there is just in there because they're behind on math credits. Right. All I hear is, I hate math. This is so (laughs) stupid. But I remind them, guess who was a year behind in math? This guy who was in the after school math program in fifth grade at South Bureau Elementary. This guy. Yeah. It's okay, and we're going to try to have the best time we can because I know that kind of blows being in math again, but I'll try to lighten the mood. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the biggest strengths that teachers who weren't good students 
it's like an advantage. It's like a vision of, I remember, or maybe not just a memory. I remember what it was like to struggle and not want to be there and to suffer and try to be sick and not have to go. And all of those things, because we didn't get it. We didn't want to look stupid. We didn't. And so we have some empathy for the kids. We understand what they're feeling. So is math just what you happened into, or are you happy to be there? You know, it kind of happened into, um, because again, math's not really my uh, yeah. strongest thing. But the math class that I teach has actually turned into my favorite class I've taught. Because it's just because last year I loved the kids in the class, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope next year doesn't suck. And this year they're fantastic again, which is good for a math class yeah. first and fifth period of <laughs> a yeah. senior year. Yeah, and there are some. There's one particular kid, he would show up to my fifth period math class every single day, hardly ever missed a day. Would he go to his English class the next period? No. But I was doing something that said, oh, you know, I'm actually going to go to math today. Yeah. It's it's hard to describe that that behavior, that communication, that connection that teachers can create with students. Do you feel like you can reach that with everybody in your classes? Yeah. Because you always, you never know what you're going to get at the start of the year. Yeah. And you're always like, oh, this period last year was, this class was so terrible last year. Hopefully this one's better. That one was so good. But you just, just try a little bit every day. And so what I hear you telling me particularly is that the students that I feel aren't connecting to me, it's my fault. You have the attitude and the personality <laughs> and the drive to continue to work with those kids and say, come on, I'm yeah, still I'm, here. Because I'm like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Okay, that's 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 the lesson that I've learned from this. I need to be more persistent in dealing with the kids who are standoffish and don't want to talk to me. Because even if it's just a little, what they'll remember is that you tried. And kept trying and kept talking. So they don't feel that they're swept under the rug. Yeah, just an extra. Another person in class. But I'm a, with my personality stuff, it's kind of just how I am. It's a, I like to say it's one of my things that I can't help it because I'm Greek. <laughs> yes. We have a word, it's called philotimo, which means literally it means love of others, but it's kind of like a thing that goes back to ancient Greece that was, I think it was referenced by Homer. It's even in the Bible in the Greek version. Um, but it's just kind of the Greeks. If you have philotimo, it means you're not just supposed to like take care of others, but it's an expectation that you're taking care of the people around you. Yeah. I might just have to label this episode that. Yeah. If anyone wants, I've got a, like a 15 minute YouTube video. I can yeah, we'll send put, you all we'll about it. We'll put the link on that too. That philosophy yeah, is amazing. Yeah. Cause it's just, uh, from the video, the most powerful line it's uh, kind of the expectation whenever you leave your house, you know, you're taking your family name with you. Yeah. So you need to make sure you're upholding it. Right. So that's kind of a way of upholding it is, oh, I'm Mr. Bird. They're going to remember Mr. Bird helped them. Yeah. And didn't just forget about them. I'm going to have to listen to this episode over and over again. That's really good. Yeah. I have that effect on people. <laughs> Greek. <laughs> Well, uh, Mr. Bird, Spencer, it's been fantastic talking with you today. I think these little, it's totally true what Principal Smith has said, the little, every episode, regardless of how long it is, regardless of who's talking, there's something that 
I get out of every episode and I'm hoping that people do too. Any, any last bits of wisdom or encouragement to teachers in, in our school and anywhere else? Um, just try your best to somewhat like these little darlings, <laughs> even though <laughs> they are something else. But when in, when in doubt, they don't know when you're faking it yeah. if you need to. And I think we can make it to May 25th at 9 a.m. Yeah. Graduation day. <laughs> Awesome. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining me today, Spencer. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.